The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to the Money Answer Show with host Jordan Goodman. Whether you are starting out, deep into your retirement, or somewhere in between, the Money Answer Show has the know-how to help you. Now here's your host, Jordan Goodman. Welcome to the Money Answer Show. This is Jordan Goodman, your host, and my guest this hour is Adam Lass, who is the co-editor of Wave Strength Options Weekly. Welcome to the show, Adam. Ah, good to be here, Jordan. Let's just start off a little bit with your background and how it is you got to become co-editor of uh, WOW, as it's called, and, and then we'll get into the system. But let's get a little bit of your background first. Oh, well, that's a, a long story. I've been a... Uh an editor in and around the financial business for the better part of about 12 years now. Prior to that, I was a, uh, a, a consultant, a marketing consultant, and a business consultant, and a businessman owned a couple of my own businesses. I've been rattling around doing something along these lines for, oh, I'd say a better part of 30 years. Wow. And so uh, what was it that made you come up with the whole WOW system? We'll get into what it is, but kind of what led to the creation of WOW? Well, WOW broke out of what really was a hobby of mine. I, I was originally a, a value investigative reporter uh, for several different newsletters. I was a freelancer, and my job back then was to, to go out and uh, find out, this particularly during the big tech boom, if any of these companies were actually there or if they were just fantasies on the back of a napkin. Uh, but I've had a, as a hobby uh, and, uh, and as, a, as a, a means of understanding what was going on in the economy. I've been a, a chartist for years. And uh, about, oh, nine-odd years ago now, I sat down with a gentleman named Brian Bottarelli. He asked me one time what I was working on. I said it was a chart of the, uh, the grand indexes, but it was useless. It was only about 70% accurate. When you couldn't really invest shares based on that. His jaw about hit the floor because he was an options trader. We then spent the next few years trying to teach each other what we were talking about, and what grew out of that was the entire wave strength system. So why don't we describe, uh, before we tell them the details, why don't you just give a general sense of how successful wave strength recommendations have been? Oh, oh it's, it's, it's quite the interesting system. It, uh, I think at this point we've had maybe 2% of our recommendations total that didn't make money in the lifetime of the recommendation. Uh, I'd say roughly 8 or 9% of the total recommendations didn't go over 10%. That is to say, almost 90% of our recommendations go up over 10%, and many of them get into the uh, high triple digits, 100% gains, 200% gains. We've had more than a couple hit three and 400% gains. And how does that compare? You, you see an awful lot of options newsletters out there claiming similar kinds of things. How is yours different in the track record from a lot of what you see promoted all the time? Well, it's a, it's a slower-moving system. Uh, Brian and I, uh, my, my co-author Brian Bottarelli and I, have been doing this now for years, and, and we had systems in many ways that were very similar to other people's for a long time, especially in the beginning, where we put out intraday alerts 
telling readers that they had to buy a certain option right now, and if they were really, really hustled, they could get in, and if they really, really paid attention, they could get out. It was very, very exciting. In fact, I, I had one reader say it was somewhat akin to driving uh, down a NASCAR track uh, in a lawn chair. Um, but we found over the years that it wasn't as useful it's exciting, but it wasn't as useful as people might really enjoy. Uh, and so this latest iteration of the system, we took a look to see if we could slow things down a little. I know that doesn't sound like an option sort of idea, but the idea is we wanted to, to gear it down a notch and make it more useful and more usable to your average stock trader. So the current version of Wave Strength Option Weekly is indeed weekly. It comes out once a week on Tuesday evenings. We give people... Um, option ideas based almost entirely on option on, on stocks rather that can be found in the blue chips. Uh, we use the S and P 100. It's a little bit little bit bigger range than just the Dow. Uh, so these are stocks that everyone knows. Their movements are are grand sweeping movements of two, three, four, five percent over three months. But we gear an options play to that that enables almost anyone to understand what they're doing and get in and out easily. So unlike a lot of other options trades you're saying are really very, very short-term oriented, and you can, if you don't get the email in time and act on it right away, you can kind of miss it, whereas yours, if you don't get it right away, you still have time to act on it. And, and your holding period is actually several weeks or months as opposed to minutes. Is that right? Exactly, exactly. Uh, and so is that that's one of the things that makes it unusual in the options world is the longer-term perspective? The idea is it's it's... It's a bit of a hybrid. It's not even technically a, a trading service to our mind. It's almost more like the great stock newsletters that start out giving you a good background on what's going on in the economy, and then from there they'll move to a stock. You know, we just take it one more step. We talk about the economy. We talk about a particular blue chip stock. And then, because we have access to a veteran floor trader out of Chicago, we take that down to an option that people can buy and own for a couple of weeks, two, three, six weeks at a time, uh, to take advantage of that stock's motion. When you make a recommendation, is there a big flurry and there's a huge amount of activity in that uh, option and then it subsides? Oh, pretty much, yes. That's pretty much par for the course. Uh, the good news is that because these plays are designed to last for weeks at a time, you don't necessarily have to buy right then and there. Yeah, I'd say the prices probably go up uh, a question of dollars, not hundreds of dollars, just dollars. And we have readers that tell us that they uh, they get in early in the morning to dodge that, and we have readers that tell us they get in in a day or so to dodge that. It's relatively easily done. Okay. So let's describe uh, the system that you use uh, to pick uh, these stocks. Uh, it's, it's a whole complex system you've built up over many years, but kind of briefly describe how the system works when you're looking at all these different stocks all the time, which one you think has the best option uh, possibility right now. Uh, well, what we do is it's, a, it's generally a top-down driven system. Um, and in fact, you'll see that in every issue of the newsletter itself. We start out with a grand economic viewpoint. We're going to start out looking uh, at the, uh, the S&P 100. That's my favorite generalized indicator. And we're going to want to look at that and see if we are in the basic idea is bullish or bearish mode. Um, we're going to want to take it from there right, and look to see if we're running with the trend or about to have a stint that runs against the trend. Uh, again, just looking at the grand sweep of the economy, the grand sweep of the largest stocks. 
From there, we start to break it down sector by sector. We'll start looking at which sectors are strong, which sectors are weak within that move. From there, we drill it down to, if we're at this point pretty sure that we're looking either to go long or short the market, depending on where the big currents, the big strong currents of the market are, we'll start to pick on individual players like... um, Recently, we decided we wanted to go against retail. Uh, we saw that retail had had some strong uh, confidence numbers, but relatively weak actual figures. And the chart for both the market as a whole and retail in particular started to look kind of weak. So in that case, we wanted to pick the weakest player we could find, and we went after Sears Holding. We uh, we took a look at Sears Holdings chart. We determined how far down we thought was probable. Then I threw that chart over to my partner Brian in Chicago, um, and he selected the best option that he could find uh, for the time span we were looking at and for the simplicity of the play. So far, that that play's done pretty good. In fact, we uh, we recommended that at eight eighty, and it's currently trading for ten ten right now. So uh, it's done fairly well with that play. So is, is a lot of your plays are contrarian? You're seeing a, a trend and you think the trend is about to change? Or are you trying to see continuation, continuation of existing trends? Oh, well, I'll tell you what. I prefer a continuation play whenever possible. Uh, momentum's a wonderful thing. Uh, I'll go contrarian when I think that there's money to be made that way. Um, but I'm not bound and determined by that. We're going to pick whatever we think is the strongest six-week trend. Uh, now, by and large, like I said, I would rather trade with a trend than against it because counter trends give out very quickly. There's always a hair increased risk when you're riding a counter trend. So if at all possible, I want to trade within a huge grand sweeping current. Now, the nice thing about options is when you're playing with a large current with a stock, it's very difficult to price your way in. Everyone's riding that stock. It's, and these are blue chips, so it might have a gentle 5% rate of climb. You know, 5% over a short term is... <laughs> It's better than a bank account, but not much better than that. Uh, but you can use options to really boost that up. So uh, what, what would be the profile of somebody who would be a typical subscriber of yours, the kind of person trading? Is it an extremely knowledgeable person or, or somebody who's kind of doing this on the side? Oh, I'd say all of the above. That was a, that's an easy one, all of the above. We try and gear the advice to be understood by anyone. Particularly, we try and picture in our minds... Uh, that we're talking to someone that's traded a bit of stock uh, and knows what an option is but wants to get involved in that for the first time. We try and start there. So every single issue should be easily understandable by somebody just coming to option trading for the first time. And if we're not doing that, we're not doing our job right. Uh, And also, you know, by the time these things get crazy complicated, I think also people can get ahead of themselves with their methods, Um, you know, trying to design very, very, very complicated hedging plays of this and that and the other thing. So we try and keep these trades relatively straightforward to that mind. But I do have and I know this from uh, from speaking with them at conventions and from uh, from emails, also from some of the email addresses that we send to. I know that we do have a substantial number of people that are in the uh, in the, in the trade in the brokerage houses that subscribe to our stuff. You know, I'll see the uh, the email list every now and then, and see a you know at Merrill or an at you know Morgan or something like that in their email address. And I know that uh, these plays are getting out there into the the, the business community as well. Hmm. If people want to find out more about uh, the, the Wave Strength Options Weekly System, how can they find out about it? Well, there's a couple of different ways you could do it. You can, of course, uh, go to crushtherecession.com, and there's a link out to my site from there. 
Um, but any, uh, if anyone is interested in just sampling, kind of dipping a toe in the water there, I'm also a regular columnist at Taipan Daily. I write twice a week for that on the general economic issues. I uh, give people a taste of what's on my mind, where I see things going. Uh, very frequently that dovetails neatly with what I'm looking at in the big picture aspect of my uh, regular WOW column as well. And uh, the uh, website for that is taipandaily.com, is that right? Uh, sure, you can find it quite easily there. And is there a phone number as well for people to find out more about Taipan? Uh, there is, but you know I don't have it on tap. Okay, no problem, no problem. Okay, so um, we're going to go to a break soon here, but right after that, I'm going to kind of get a sense of some of the trends that you see uh, coming and some of the ways that you think people should be playing those trends. Certainly. This is uh, Jordan Goodman of The Money Answer Show, and my guest this hour is Adam Lass, who's the co-editor of what's called WOW, which is the uh, Wave Strength Options Weekly uh, service. We'll be back after this. Up-to-date business and financial news. Call now and get the financial information you need. 866-472-5790. 866-472-5790. The experts are here. Voice America Business Network. Jordan Goodman has created the Money Answers Network to put at his listeners' fingertips the very best personal finance products and services that he has found in his 30 years of research. If you have a money question, Jordan Goodman has a money answer. To find out more, go to www.moneyanswers.com. The Money Answers Network features top products and services in virtually every area of personal finance, car buying and leasing, college financing, credit debt, financial planning, investing, insurance, legal services, mortgages, retirement planning, wills, and more. Only businesses that have demonstrated excellence in both their products and services are invited to become members of the Money Answers Network. The public can sign up for membership in the Money Answers Network at no charge in order to be apprised of the latest useful resources. To learn more, visit www.moneyanswers.com. Get ahead with Money Answers. Are you ready to go green? You've asked and we've heard you. Voice America presents the Green Talk Network. Environmental topics are at the forefront of our society, and the Green Talk Network is here to keep you up to date on the latest trends and new innovations for the eco-conscious lifestyle. We'll help promote a variety of ideas on the environment, from global warming issues to how you can become more eco-friendly in your daily activities. Be a part of the solution, not the problem. Visit the Green Talk Network page on voiceamerica.com and tune in to help spread the green. The violent crime rate has begun to rise again. So what's more important than feeling at ease and secure in your daily life? With an optimistic perspective on a sober subject, crime prevention and personal safety expert Susan Bartlestone brings you the information, tips, resources, and inspiring success stories that will reduce your fear and restore your confidence. So stay tuned and stay safe with Crime Prevention 101 and Susan Bartlestone every Saturday at 2 p.m. Eastern, 11 a.m. Pacific, here on Voice America. It'd be a crime not to listen. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. You've been listening to The Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman. If you have a question for Jordan or his guest, please call us now at 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Now back to Jordan. Welcome back to The Money Answer Show. This is Jordan Goodman, your host, and my guest this hour is Adam Lass, who's the co-editor of the Wave Strength Options Weekly uh, News Service, which is called the WOW News Service. Welcome back to the show, Adam. Ah, good to be back. 
Okay, let's get into some of the themes uh, that you're seeing today. And these are kind of a combination of, of fundamental and technical reasons why you like these particular ones. You're seeing things in the economy, and then you see ways to play them. Uh, for example, one of the uh, trends you've had recently has been on IBM. Kind of take us through the steps to uh, why you made that particular pick. Well, in that case, that's actually part of a group of stocks right now uh, that we've been keeping our eye on as um, really contrary to the recent uptrend. We've seen a strong uptrend dating back to early March, uh, and it seemed to our eye like that stock trend was starting to get ahead of the economics that was driving it. Everyone was starting to talk about how the stimulus was in, the fix was in, Washington had spent all this money, and now we have a V-shaped bottom, and the economy's going to go, go, go. Uh, And we noticed after a while several, something very interesting. The big fix that was in wasn't in. They'd written the check, but no one was cashing it, or maybe the check wasn't good yet. turns out that Washington's stimulus, uh, they've only distributed maybe 10 to to 20% of that money. Uh, And so all this advancement in both the economy and in stocks that was based on that money was starting to fall over, starting to roll over. It was starting to come up short. We started noticing in particular uh, at first with FedEx uh, that FedEx usually runs right with the blue chips, right, right, just hip-to-hip with the blue-chip stocks. And every now and then we'll surge out away from them and inevitably snap back, inevitably snap right back to a good, strong step-for-step, almost like a three-legged sack race. And right now, FedEx had gotten too far out ahead of the Dow and the S&P 100, down the S&P 100 were starting to roll over. FedEx hadn't started rolling over yet. Uh, Take that with a little bit of high-priced gasoline and fuel, uh, diesel for the big trucks, kerosene for the big jets, plain old gasoline for the delivery vans, and you'd had trouble brewing for FedEx. Sure enough, we go to look at the chart for FedEx, and we see exactly the same correspondence. We see it gapping up and away with several key support points and what we call in, the, in, in, in our particular technical system an attractive node down maybe 5 6% lower. So it's At that point, moved, we uh, know we've got to play, and I will throw that over to Brian in Chicago to start developing an options play to go with it with those targets. So it's already moved the direction you're looking a little bit. It hasn't, it's not soaring, and you're looking for it to turn out. It's already started to turn down a little bit before you make the, the call. Is that right? Actually, in the case of FedEx, FedEx was rocking when we made the call. We actually got some emails from people asking if we were crazy. Uh, FedEx had actually, uh, we made that call about two, three weeks, four weeks ago now, uh, and FedEx was in a, an uptick, uh, and we just did not see, we saw technical indications that that uptick did not have strength. It wasn't like the more robust upticks that we'd seen from March through uh Oh, say March through May, we saw strong upticks. This was a much weaker uptick that we knew we could take advantage of. So, explain the the idea of wave strength, because uh, it's it's is this like relative strength, or how would you describe the strength that you're looking for in these different moves? Well, again, that's almost a perfect example of what we're talking about. That the name of the whole family of products has been based on the idea that you have trends and then wave movements within those trends. Uh, and then you can see that on, 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 a, 
a macro level, and then it will continuously devolve to a smaller and smaller and smaller and smaller level. In this case, we saw FedEx in an overall downtrend that's been in place for, oh, 18-odd months now. We saw a counter move within that trend. The oh, nine-week rising uh, move from uh, March to May. Uh, we saw indications in several of our strength indicators that we had reached the top of trend and that that was in the process of losing its power and about to roll over and that that counter trend was about to resume the stronger main trend. That's what we call a perfect wave. That is our preferred setup every time. Uh, at that point, we know that um, when this finishes giving out, when it finally loses the rest of its strength, not only is it going to come down, but because that move within the larger move is in the same direction, it's going to be fierce, strong, and reliable. And last for quite a while as well. It's not... Then last a reasonably long time. After all, the up move here, the counter move against trend was some nine-odd weeks. Well, uh, yeah, nine weeks. Um, the main move within trend is usually 12 to 16 weeks in that circumstance. So you're comparing this to historicals, not only on that individual stock, but other stocks as to how long these trends last one way or the other. Well, it's a series of ratios. It's, it's not necessarily specific uh, amounts of time as much as uh, reasonably reliable ratios of time within the trend. Uh, you can measure the, the trend's angle of attack. You can measure the, uh, the amount of uptime, and then it's the amount of downtime we can expect. Uh, we, use, um, we use the dreaded Fibonacci calculations for that. Uh, I know people have been seeing those and trying to, to crack that open for years. Uh, it was a big favorite for uh, Elliott Wave people, but we don't, we don't use it quite the same way. But we do use it to predict our uh, support, resistance, and attractive notes. Mm-hmm. Okay, and then you would uh, have a uh, similar call on Sears. Uh, again, kind of go into the background of how you, you made that call. Oh, again, at this point, we had already decided a week earlier, two weeks earlier, that the main trend had run into a wall. It had, uh, it was, we had determined that it wasn't a true trend, but a counter trend within the falling trend. Uh, that is to say that the whole... S&P 100, or for people who are more familiar, the Dow, although I think using the Dow really limits your universe when it comes to picks, but whatever, the blue chips, the big stocks that make up America, had been running for about nine weeks and had come to the limit, the upper limit that they could run. We were looking for victims. One of the things we had noticed was there was a discrepancy. Uh, the, the consumer confidence figures were very strong, but what consumers were buying was still very limited, very limited to necessities. Nobody was buying frou-frou. Nobody was buying anything they didn't have to buy. Maybe they were catching up and buying, uh, you know, long johns and, and, and eggs and milk and gasoline and things like that that they'd needed for a while, but they weren't buying anything exotic. From there, we wanted to find, again, because we're buying, now we've determined that we're looking for a stock that's going to go down. It's a simple idea. The main market's about to go down. It's been going down for a while. It's had a little uptrend. It's going to reverse that. We want a victim. Uh, one of our favorite victims in retail is Sears. It's a company that used to be one of the grandest. I mean, in many ways, you could say they invented the Internet. The Sears catalog, back in the good old days of the mail order, was the first entry in the world of, of remote buying like that. Those days are long gone for Sears. 
uh, nowadays Sears is basically just in eternal trouble. It was in trouble before uh, Edward Lampert bought it out. And he's a real estate guy. He doesn't know anything about retail. All he wanted to do was sell off the stores for the, for the land they were on. So it's an eternal victim. We have a, a motto, always short Sears. And again, we looked, and indeed Sears was, just like retail, was at the top of a counter trend and about to resume the main falling trend. An easy victim, it's like shooting fish in a barrel. Uh, and since we named Sears as a loser, it's fallen virtually every day. Um, and again, the, the, that position's up easy 20% a matter of weeks. So both Sears and Federal Express have worked out as you expected, really? Oh, yes, quite. Uh-huh. And, and what was the thinking about IBM, which is not really aimed at consumers? What is the thing on IBM? Well, there again, we were looking to round out the trio. Now we have a good grasp on what the main trend is. Now we're, we're three weeks into the model that we're operating. We see no reason at this point to change it. All our tenants are holding up. Our experiment, if you will, the, the trading theorem that we've tossed out and bounced back and forth between myself and my partners in Chicago is holding up. We start to look for a third victim. Our third victim in this case was IBM. And again, here's a company that we actually like. Uh, we think IBM's a well-run company. But again, IBM sells software these days. They're not an Apple computer. They don't have some fancy widget that they can stand up and announce that's going to wow everybody. They sell a commodity. It's a modern commodity. It's, it's software for businesses, but it's really just a commodity now. And their customer is the Dow, is the S&P 100. If those companies aren't buying, then IBM isn't selling right now. And indeed, we looked to the boards, we looked, did a little investigating, we started hearing a few stories about slowdowns on contracts, just enough to confirm our opinion that indeed IBM had also gapped away from, the, from its strength. It had pulled up and away from the Dow, from the S&P 100. Oh, that's all we needed to know. Uh, a return to those indexes pattern. As, as the Dow rolls over, IBM has to roll over with it. It has to come back to it. And indeed, we've seen IBM fall off consistently since we made that call. And that position is up about, uh, about 15%. So again, you're you're going against the trend. I mean, at the time you were making the call, things were going pretty well, and you were buying a put thinking it was going to go the other direction. Well, again, <coughs> pardon me, hold on, <coughs> pardon me. Again, the question is which trend. Um, that's what we like to do. We like to think of wave strength as almost like taking a thousand years of history and leveraging the next ten minutes. As you step further and further back in time scales, you're able to put the last couple of days action. That's, that's the action that catches everybody on CNN's eye, right? But they, they're trying to report about what's going on 30 seconds ago and trying to find an excuse for it. And many times the excuse is in a much larger context by stepping back and stepping back and stepping back and using our mathematical formula to put any move into a much larger context. We can establish whether a move is a true, strong, robust, trustworthy move in a stock or a weak counter move within a larger trend. As soon as we know we have a weak counter move, that the grand trend is much stronger and going in the opposite direction, then yeah, you could call us immediately contrarian, but in the long run, no, we run with the grand sweeping trends. We want to know that the river is on our side. We don't care what the creek's doing. Very good. Okay. All right. We're going to go to break. Again, if you want to find out more about what Adam Lass's newsletter called Wave Strength Options Weekly is about, uh, the website for it is crushtherecession.com. We'll be back 
after this. the market's up or down, or if you're looking to improve your portfolio, our experts are ready to talk to you. Call now. Toll free, 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. Are you ready to grow your business? Listen for the Independent Business Owner Show with your coach, Rick Carrado. This entertaining talk radio program will bring you the tools to help increase your business. You'll learn sales success, time management, lead generation, business development, life balance, and much more. Rick Carrado is here to help you take your business to the next level. Listen for the Independent Business Owner Show, heard live every Monday morning at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Pacific on the Voice America Business Network. Jordan Goodman has created the Money Answers Network to put at his listeners' fingertips the very best personal finance products and services that he has found in his 30 years of research. If you have a money question, Jordan Goodman has a money answer. To find out more, go to www.moneyanswers.com. The Money Answers Network features top products and services in virtually every area of personal finance, car buying, and leasing, college financing, credit debt, financial planning, investing, insurance, legal services, mortgages, retirement planning, wills, and more. Only businesses that have demonstrated excellence both their products and services are invited to become members of the Money Answers Network. The public can sign up for membership in the Money Answers Network at no charge in order to be apprised of the latest useful resources. To learn more, visit www.moneyanswers.com. Get ahead with Money Answers. What are the do's and don'ts when it comes to solving personal foreclosure? With over 2,700 foreclosures daily, what can you do to ensure the housing crisis doesn't hit home? Tune in to Foreclosure Exposure Radio with host Carla Duglin. This show will give you steps you can immediately use to save your own home and credit. Face and conquer foreclosure issues before they affect you. Listen for Foreclosure Exposure Radio every Wednesday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, noon Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Network. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You've been listening to The Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman. If you have a question for Jordan or his guest, please call us now at 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Now back to Jordan. Welcome back to The Money Answer Show. This is Jordan Goodman, your host, and my guest this hour is Adam Lass who's the co-editor of the Wave Strength Options Weekly uh, News Service. Welcome back to the show, Adam. Ah, good to be here, Jordan. Uh, you have something you call memetics as a way of kind of seeing different trends early on. Explain how that works briefly. All right, now, this gets fun. Memetics actually it came out of the social sciences back in the, uh, the, the, oh, I think it first surfaced in the 40s, but it came up again in the 70s, uh, 1970s. And the idea was that they began to try and quantify some of the social sciences. It had been all well and good to read and quote and everything, but some guys came along that decided they wanted to put some numbers to it all. And the idea about memetics is there are ideas out there that get handed on and handed on and handed on and can almost become infectious in a way, just like there are genes out there that get handed down and handed down or handed around by viruses. And the idea is that many of the ideas, these ideas are constantly in the pot, bubbling along. 
some of them are weak, and then some of them begin to gain strength. A classic example we like to use is um, in recent history, everyone blames the big 2000 crash uh, on Alan Greenspan saying that uh, it was irrational exuberance. Irrational exuberance brought down the market. People heard that, and they knew they had to get out. I love that because he said that in 1995, I believe it was December 1995, and it wasn't for five years until the market crashed. And what happened during that time was he had tossed this idea out. It was out there, but it hadn't gained strength. There weren't enough people who had heard it. There weren't enough people who believed in it. And so the idea began to spread. It began to pass from person to person to multiple persons. We call that a meme within the menome. And when that idea was ready to become dominant, when enough people were buying into that concept, we hit the tipping point. There's been several books about the tipping point lately where that idea becomes a strong enough thread to become an investment idea. I studied dozens maybe even hundreds of these memes, these mimetic concepts that are out there bubbling away in the background. And I'm trying to constantly determine which ones of these are rising to the top and are just gaining the strength they need to be a genuine investing idea, to drive an investing theorem. And what would be an example of a recent uh, meme that has kind of gained strength? Oh, a classic idea. This entire big V-bottom rebound that we had. The V-bottom rebound by and of itself is a meme, but it was based on the idea that there was trillions and trillions of dollars going from Washington into the economy. Right? And everyone began to grasp that idea. Now, we started talking about those trillions of dollars in stimulus money in, I don't know, uh, I-, I believe August of last year, I mean, guys that were running for president were talking about it. The Bush White House was talking about it. There wasn't a body out there that didn't think that there was going to be a stimulus package of one size or another. Right? But early March of this year, everyone started buying stocks because of the stimulus. Now, here's the funny thing. As of right now today, maybe 10%, maybe 15% of that stimulus money has actually left Washington, D.C. There's really hardly any more money being pumped into the general economy. Now, the banks got a lot of money, and they got saved. That's great. They're still not lending it, but they got saved. But the money that everyone's investing on isn't out there. It's not real. It's a mimetic concept. It's because people believed in that money that they invested the meme became dominant. And another example you would say is swine flu, right? It's the kind of coming of swine flu. Swine flu is another classic idea, but there it's, it's the reverse. Uh, swine flu is a meme that is not dominant. It's in the news. It's an idea that's out there. People are in general aware of it, uh, but it has almost no traction because in people's relatively recent experience, no disease like that has ever actually laid anyone they know low. They haven't seen in their life anything seriously bad. Now, if you're over a certain age, you can talk to people that are in their, oh, I'd have to say their 70s. They're terrified of this thing. It's not just because they think they could catch it, but because they've lived through 
sweeping epidemics like this that, that hit everyone they knew. You know, you talk to people that remember quarantine signs on houses, they're taking this thing very seriously. But the younger folks, the folks that grew up with, you know, antibiotics and antiviral agents, it just has no traction for them. This is a meme that's out there. It's in the soup. It's bubbling along. But it has no grip yet. So, for instance, that means that it's been relatively inexpensive to get on board. So we have a couple of little toes in. Well, we recommended people pick up a little bit of uh, GlaxoSmithKline uh, just as a way to catch that. And that's done very well for our readers just as it begins to bubble towards awareness. We've seen that. We've seen the options there, I think, more than double. Uh, just every time the news comes out, people go, hey, maybe this is real. The meme bubbles to the top and the stock starts to move. Yes, indeed. Okay, great. I'd like to kind of broaden the horizon a little bit here and kind of take a look at the overall economy because it's certainly part of what you do. Um, I mean, here we have a situation where maybe they're not spending it yet, but they've committed to spend certainly hundreds of billions, if not trillions of dollars. Um, how are we going to get out of this whole mess here? I mean, the, the, the feeling is that the, the federal government is the only one really investing right now. The private sector is continuing to contract. Uh, how is this all going to uh, work out in the long run? Well, that's not a feeling. I mean, we are looking at a defined contraction of the private sector to this day. Uh, I believe we're looking at uh, a declining pace in GDP of between 1% and 3% for the uh, current April to June quarter. Uh, so, yes. It's remarkable that when it comes to the actual money, Washington has promised it but not delivered it. You have the state governments continuing to, to edge against bankruptcy. We see that most publicly in the, uh, California where they're talking about closing their school system, just entirely just closing it, like they're not going to be able to reopen in, in come September. Uh, but that's across the board. The governors are going mad because they committed to, to spending money that they were told by the federal government would be arriving and hasn't arrived yet. So that's the big the big issue right now, that promise of money and the delivery of that money, that money will get dispersed. It's just, it's a huge chunk of change, and Washington's really been relatively bad at, at actually getting that money out the door. There's been so much arguing about who would get what, but they'll get three-quarters of that easily will get dispersed. As that begins to penetrate the larger economy, good, bad, or indifferent, we'll see a couple of things start to happen. We'll see commodities come up in price. We will see stocks come up in price. Please note that I did not say value. Mm -hmm. Price, uh, which will appear to be a relative, relative rally. What it will be in, 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 in actuality is inflation. By definition, as we insert that much cash into the, uh, the system, every, that many dollars means each one of them is worth a little bit less. So it's going to take that many more of them for people to buy units of each of these things. In fact, you can make an argument that the entire 2003 to, uh, to 2007 rally, to a certain extent, didn't happen. If you were to compare it to the dollar in value, you'd see that the dollar fell the same amount the Dow went up. So you're uh, saying if the, you measure outside the fishbowl as compared to you know, what we were paying against uh, oh, the euro and the yen and the, the currencies like that, it was an illusion. And we're basically going to try and perpetuate that same illusion now. Uh, we haven't figured out a better trick than that. People have proposed them, but they're somewhat painful in their initial steps. So right now, all they're looking to do is one more bubble. They want to reinflate a bubble. And the question becomes, what the bubble will be. Is it going to be real estate again? Oh, we seldom do the same bubble twice in a row. What do they say about history? It, uh, it doesn't repeat itself, but it rhymes. 
So is, is the bond market the next bubble, you think? Um, bonds are troublesome. Bonds are troublesome. We're seeing interest rates climb in bonds because they're forcing so many of them to the market that they may have to bribe people a little bit more. So I think we've already seen, in fact, uh, a little bit of a rise in bonds beyond their actual value, uh, simply because the large buyers of bonds, uh, to wit, China and, and, and folks like that, are balking at, at buying any more of them with the rates so low. It's kind of hilarious because here's the Fed announcing that it's not going to change a darn thing in its next meeting. Um, and they're really not even in control of the issue anymore because the bond prices are already going up. The Treasury is raising the price on bonds. And I think what's going to end up happening is the Fed's going to have to come behind Treasury and sop up some of these bonds. They're just going to have to. That's really all, all the Fed ever does is it buys and sells Treasury notes to put either more cash or more bonds out there. And I think that's going to be the big it. That's when we're really going to see the dollar fall. And uh, I think actually I'm looking at commodities again. I think that when they really start punching dollars out there to deal with the bond problem, that that will transfer very quickly from the, the, the bond world to the commodities world. So the markets, you're saying, are much more aware of this, because in the past, the Fed did this. They, and we had huge deficits, and the dollar went up most of last year into early this year, even though the Fed was having these huge purchases, and we were having the TARP program, and we were stimulus programs. The dollar kept rising anyway. Well, again, uh, we had the promise of these large checks. In reality, uh, we saw a fair amount of dollars destroyed when the banks failed. I mean, this was one of the largest failures in history, and they evaporated. Now, maybe those dollars weren't exactly real dollars. They were kind of theoretical dollars, but they had been counted. When you add up everything to get your totals for inflation, uh, they had been counted. So to a certain extent, the initial TARP injections, all they did was balance out the failures of the banks. They didn't actually increase dollars in circulation. And if you note, everyone's whining that none of these guys are lending any money. The money isn't hitting isn't getting outside of that immediate little circle between Wall Street and Washington. It's only when the cash starts leaving that little tiny orbit that we'll see genuine inflation start to strike. So I mean, the reason we saw the dollar go up modestly for a while is that the money wasn't leaving orbit. It was in a very tight, tight, tight little orbit. As soon as it comes out of that, then we'll start to see the dollar fall again. And that's what you're expecting, is that the, the, the stimulus money is going to get out into the economy, and banks are going to start lending, so the money will get in circulation, and that'll cause inflationary fears? Uh, not fears. Fact of the matter. Simple, simple arithmetic. Um, to put those dollars out ahead of GDP growth is the very definition. It's not my favorite definition of you know, how things should be counted, uh, but it is the current practical definition of what inflation is. Uh, it's, it's dollars as compared to the GDP, and when they dump that load of dollars out there, yeah, you're going to see it shrink. Very good. Okay, we're going to go to a break. Uh, this is Jordan Goodman of The Money Answer Show. My guest this hour is Adam Lass, uh, who is the editor, co-editor of the Wave Strength Options Weekly Service. Uh, you can find out more about it at the website crushtherecession.com. We'll be back after this. the market's up or down, or if you're looking to improve your portfolio, our experts are ready to talk to you. Call now, toll free, 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. 
Jordan Goodman has created the Money Answers Network to put at his listeners' fingertips the very best personal finance products and services that he has found in his 30 years of research. If you have a money question, Jordan Goodman has a money answer. To find out more, go to www.moneyanswers.com. The Money Answers Network features top products and services in virtually every area of personal finance, car buying and leasing, college financing, credit debt, financial planning, investing, insurance, legal services, mortgages, retirement planning, wills, and more. Only businesses that have demonstrated excellence in both their products and services are invited to become members of the Money Answers Network. The public can sign up for membership in the Money Answers Network at no charge in order to be apprised of the latest useful resources. To learn more, visit www.moneyanswers.com. Get ahead with Money Answers. Think of the world 50 years ago. Now think of this same world and how it'll be 50 years from now. Did you know that if the world's population continues to grow at its current rate, our children and grandchildren will only have 25% of the resources per capita that our parents and grandparents had? We must preserve the foundation of a quality standard of living. That foundation starts with Go Green Radio. Join your host, Jill Buck, for Go Green Radio every Friday at noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific on Voice America. Looking for a good time? We've got a show that will give you a wild ride. This show will make you feel good. And it's not even bad for you. You need your time to let loose. It's time for a feel-good party. Pull up to the computer, mix yourself a drink, and turn up the speakers. Happy Hour is here. Every Tuesday at 5 p.m. Pacific, 8 p.m. Eastern. It's called the biggest radio show in the world. Hosted by international personality and pundit Michael DeMarco. You don't know what's coming next. The biggest radio show in the world on Voice America. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You've been listening to The Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman. If you have a question for Jordan or his guest, please call us now at 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Now back to Jordan. Welcome back to The Money Answer Show. This is Jordan Goodman, your host, and my guest this hour is Adam Lass, who's the co-editor of the Wave Strength Options Weekly uh, Newsletter. Welcome back to the show, Adam. Uh, Good to be here. Uh, so let's again kind of get, get an overall view here. You, we've got this money that's going to be coming that hasn't been fully put into the economy yet, uh, and, and this is going to cause actual inflation, not fears of inflation. Uh, is that a long-term trend? Is, is, are we going to get back to the 1970s, or what kind of inflation are we going to see here? Well, the 1970s is exactly what we're dreading. That's the worst of all worlds. That's when you dump the money into the economy and you don't get traction with it, which is the big fear. Uh, the guys in Washington right now, the reason they've been so antsy about how to do this is that's their boogeyman. Uh, they're willing to take some inflation if they can get the bubble reinflating. What we saw in the 70s was the inflation, but the jobs didn't pick up. The business didn't pick up. Uh, the economy just sat there grinding and grinding and grinding along. Uh, I know people like to call it the uh, the Carter inflation, but I remember uh, I remember when Gerald Ford was putting whip inflation now buttons out there. Uh, so this actually did that actually long predated Carter. He just uh, kind of helped it keep going in the same direction. So this is the, so yeah, the money idea. will get spent, and we will see inflation. We have to. The governors are going broke. They're begging for this money or demanding it. So what is the best way to play that inflation? When will the markets start to reflect that? Before it actually happens, the markets would reflect it, I assume. Well, what we're seeing now are the first 
inklings of that cash getting out. We've seen maybe 10, maybe 15% of that cash uh, come out, and we saw nine weeks of, of rally based on that promise. I believe as people begin to realize what a grind it's going to be, we're going to see a bit of a second dip. In, in, in the major stock indexes. Uh, I think we're going to see it not quite go as low as it did last time. Then we're going to see the money start to get dispersed a little quicker. When people begin to realize they can't argue about this anymore, but they have to get it out there. Now, I'm no fan of this money being spent, but that's philosophy. The money will get spent. They, they've already committed to the programs. So now if they don't want the check to bounce, the money will come from Washington one way or another. And as that money starts to get out, at this point, we thought we'd be seeing immediate inflation. Uh, Washington wasn't competent enough to generate immediate inflation. So now, instead, we see a slow build. I don't think we're going to get to you know, the, the 50% inflation rates that some of the real doom and gloom guys are banding about out there. I would not be at all shocked if we could be seeing 5 6 7 8% inflation by the end of this year. I would not be shocked if we saw double-digit inflation by the end of next year as this money begins to hit. Uh, you can't have 10% unemployment, right? Washington won't tolerate that. They know they cannot get reelected with 10% unemployment. It's, just, it's, it's, it's simply intolerable for, for, for the capital. Uh, so we will see that money get out there. So um, let's go to some of the areas that would benefit from inflation. What about gold? Do uh, you think gold will be a, a big winner here? I think gold will be, by definition, a big winner there. I'm not a big gold bug, um, simply because it's so hard to put it to use. Um, I, I like the idea of gold retaining value, but something in the back of my head always kind of niggles at me that it's just, you know, it's kind of useless. It's accepted by everybody because it doesn't rot and it doesn't tarnish, but it always bugs me that you couldn't really put it much to use. I'm, off, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of a big fan of, of some of the other commodities there. I like... Um, I'm keeping a sharp eye on the uh, the what is it the uh, the DBB it's Power Shares uh, Base Metals Index, uh, which watches uh, steel and copper and aluminum pretty closely. I'm watching a couple of the steel companies real closely. Uh, I've done we've done very well so far with ArcelorMittal. Now they're having a bit of problem now as people realize that no one's building anything with this stuff, so they're dipping back down. So what we're going to see first is a bit of a stock dip a bit of a rescue, and as that rescue comes in, as that money actually comes in, we'll start to see money uh, move in general. We'll see the usual inflationary pattern. Stocks will appear to go up, but people will invest equally in both stocks and in hedges like gold. And how about oil uh, as a, a hedge against this? Um, uh, again, oil was rising as a hedge because oil, oil is the biggest... Uh, it's the big exchanger for inflation. We always see oil is both a victim of inflation, that is to say it's sold internationally but measured in U.S. dollars. As U.S. dollars get dinky, oil goes up per barrel. It takes more dollars, more weaker dollars to buy a barrel of oil. But in addition, it becomes a big transmitter. It's the conduit that we really start to see practical inflation get into the economy. And we saw that last time around. Uh, everyone says it was real estate that crashed the economy. And really, it was oil, those high gas prices that really put the pinch to people and had them start failing in everything else they were doing, cutting back on their purchases and losing their houses. Uh, again, I think we'll see the same thing. It may be, it may be a year for it to really get rocking. I don't think we'll see $4 gasoline this year. But as far I think as we can see $3 gasoline real soon. But you see as an investment that oil is a place to put some money? Oh, absolutely, yes. 
Absolutely, yes. And in fact, uh, right now we have uh, a strong recommendation for either shares or options on Chevron. Mm -hmm. uh, and then how about going against Treasury bonds? If, if you have inflation, would, would uh, the current low yields we have not last? Um, again, I'm a little nervous about Treasury bonds per se because it's so easily manipulated. Um, it's really hard when you have so many of the active players. I would say that intuitively I would be shy of bonds when it hits. Uh, on the other hand, you know, if they start offering bonds with 10% you know, yields, 13% yields, I could see taking a portion of a body's in, uh, a portfolio and, and wanting to pick up a piece of that uh, just for the slow-moving idea of it all, just you know, as, a, as a bit of a base. Uh, again, that's so easily manipulated, though, that in general I, I shy clear of it uh, as an actual trading vehicle. I do watch it like a hawk as an indicator. In the long run, the amount of deficits that we're building up, and we're, what, $11.5 trillion now or something, and with the deficits we're going to have of $2 trillion a year or more, I mean, is, is there a certain point at which we just can't keep adding to the debt and the Chinese and Japanese won't keep buying our bonds and, and the game's over, we just can't reinflate the bubble? Um, there's going to come that limit someday. I don't know that we're at that limit this cycle. Uh, that is the inevitable limit. Uh, whether we can uh, get one more good boom and bust cycle before we reach it. I don't think we're at that limit right now. I think we, uh, they teased to it a little bit, and then the Chinese were quickly informed that they are not only the number one buyer of bonds, but the number one holder of bonds, uh, and that they would be the victim if Treasury bonds collapsed as easily as the perpetrator, and they backed off a little bit. Right now we're seeing a lot of dancing, and I think we could probably get one more good bubble out of it. But we are definitely stuck in a boom and bust, in an ever-advancing boom and bust cycle, and the far end of one of these cycles, and I would dare say that it is going to be in the reasonable historical future. Maybe we have one more good cycle, maybe we have two more good cycles, but I'm starting to doubt it, before it just stops, before it can't can't be done, and we actually get into you know, genuine devaluations of, of, uh, of currency, I mean, big-time devaluations of currency. I mean, some would say, even though California can't print its own currency, that California's kind of reached the end of the line here, because they can't borrow more, they can't tax more, they're kind of at the end of the line, and that's kind of a precursor of what would happen at the federal level. Oh, yes, but, you know, we saw that when I was a kid in New York. New York City defaulted at one point on its bonds. The, you know, the safest bond of the world, the Big Mac bond, defaulted, and the world didn't come to a screaming halt. Somehow, we found our way around that by reinflating the next bubble. Um, yes, you're absolutely right that that is an inevitable theoretical limit. I don't know that we're there yet. It scares me. We could be, and I'm watching for it. Very good. Okay, well, it's been fascinating. Uh, my guest this hour has been Adam Lass, uh, who is the co-editor of Wave Strength Options Weekly. He has a fascinating system, a really great track record. Uh, you can find out more about it at the website crushtherecession.com. Thanks so much for being my guest on Money Answer Show, Adam. My pleasure, sir. And we'll be back again next week. Bye-bye for now. for joining.
joining Jordan Goodman and the Money Answer Show. If you have a question for Jordan, please visit his website at www.moneyanswers.com. And be sure to tune in every Monday at 12 p.m. Pacific Standard Time right here on Voice America Business. See you next week. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. 